And then they gave me this nonchalant and then they just let me in. And I was like, yes, I got in. And I remember feeling such relief as I walked through that threshold, that doorway. And then as soon as I walked in, I felt like I left my whole self behind. Like I gave it all up, all of it to be accepted. What's up, everybody? This is Victor Young again with the Human Up podcast, and really appreciate you for being here. If you are new to this show, this show is all about emotional intelligence. It's all about how to identify our emotions and how to communicate them with those around us so that we can deepen and, and create more meaningful relationships around us. So, after a quarter-life crisis within my life a few years ago, uh, burning out from my tech career, I realized I had no emotional intelligence. I had a lot of feelings and emotions, but didn't know what to do with them, how to identify them, how to communicate them or express them with others. And it left me very stagnant within my life. It left me very apathetic about you know, going up or waking up and, and going about my day and even to the point of seeing friends when we're just doing the same thing over and over again, going to get happy hour and drinking every other day. And it just became very monotonous. And that suppression of joy or repression of joy uh, came about after suppressing all of my negative emotions and not feeling comfortable expressing them as both a man and as an Asian American where emotions and feelings and talking about mental health was never okay or at least encouraged. So now I am on the path to learn all I can about emotional intelligence. I got certified in life coaching with Journey back in 2019 and since then have been working with those who identify as men and with immigrant families to improve their emotional intelligence so that they can live a more fulfilling life that they can live more creatively and with more empowerment to be their own version of a leader of a badass of a man so if you identify as a man and with an Asian ethnic background, uh, stick around to the end of this episode where I'll share more about the Emotion Dojo, a membership program that I am building out and seeking my founding members for. Uh, this is a men's group just focused on Asian men to help develop our own emotional intelligence and create a badass life for ourselves this is my life's work i am so excited about being able to hold this space for others so definitely stick around to the end to learn more and now we'll get right into this awesome conversation with my guest jeff harry hello jeff thank you for coming on to the human up podcast it's super exciting to have you here oh i'm so amped Yes, I am too. I mean, I think like definitely this topic on play and, uh, you know, adulting and masculinity and mm. Asian identity and mm -hmm. uh, all of these things are, are, I've been, I've been super passionate about exploring. Uh, so appreciate you coming on to, to share your, your, your knowledge bombs here. <laughs> yeah. Let's nerd out. Yeah. Um, I first start with everyone. Uh, what does emotional intelligence mean to you? Ooh, EQ, as one would say. Yes. Um, I believe um, emotional intelligence is your ability to connect with yourself. And based off of your ability to connect with yourself, your um, ability to also then connect with others. Because you have to have a certain level of understanding of yourself to, to really empathize with other people. And I've heard this a lot recently where it's just like, you can only grow as much as that other person is willing to grow, mm -hmm. right? 
So if someone is growing and they're just like, you know, they stop, they stop evolving, then you're just like, okay, I got to move on because I can't hang out with you if, if we're not going to go deeper. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, and honestly, that's a lot of where my journey is right now with this podcast, with my coaching and, um, you know, really, really understanding myself before I see all of these things that I maybe dislike about the world or the, mm-hmm. the workplace or, you know, whatnot and wanting to change that. Um, it was actually, you know, one of the, the catalyst moments for me in noticing that my workplace was um, very toxic and unconnected and, uh, y- you know, un- uncompassionate or mm-hmm. incompassionate. Uh, and, and so seeing that, I was like, ah, oh, what can I do to fix that? But then noticing, oh, wow, there's actually a lot within me that I could change and could improve on. So I like that definition. Yeah, I I was even listening to this racial justice facilitator and she was saying, you cannot bring your pain into these workshops Mm. because if you're bringing your own trauma, your own historical trauma, you won't be able to help others in it because anything that is said by any of the attendees might trigger you and then you might, you know, and then that will be felt by everyone there. So you got to heal that first before you're able to go into some of these spaces. And I was like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah, I know. And it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, right? It is. But uh, super important. So, so to give people a context then for you and your work um, and what you're, what you're doing, like, yeah, just give us a, a quick rundown of how you got into, you know, being, calling yourself a positive play coach. Yeah, positive psychology play coach. Yes. Um, So the short version is I saw big when I was a kid and then I I realized I wanted to make toys for a living. So I started writing toy companies in fifth grade, did all that, um, got to college, went to some fancy falupant college, you know, um, that got me into the toy industry and I hated it and I didn't know what to do because like what you said, right? These toxic environments, I was expecting people to be happy, high-fiving, mm. kids running around, everyone get, getting to play with toys. And instead it was just like, they might as well have been selling microwaves, right? <laughs> and like, it didn't really matter what yeah. they were selling, you know? And I was in New York at the time and 9-11 happened and I'm like, I don't want to die in this cubicle. Um, so then I left, went to the Bay area, worked for more toy companies, same disappointing thing. Um, and then I left it and it was like, it was like a quarter life crisis where I was like, I have no idea what to do with my life. And I remember going on Craigslist and finding this job where you could like teach kids engineering with Lego, basically play with Lego for a living. Yeah. And I joined it. It was seven of us. And then I stayed with them for like 15 years and grew it into, 400 staff teaching 100,000 kids a year. And while we were doing all that, we started working with a lot of tech companies in the Bay, you know, like the Facebooks and the Adobe's and blah, blah, you know, all them, right? And they all want us to do team building events, but they were all around creativity, collaboration, connection, communication, all these like buzzwords, but nothing around toxicity, Mm. nothing around. And can I swear on this? Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing around the a-holes. Like, how are you going to address the a-holes in the room? So my friend Gary and I created a workshop called How to, to Deal with A-Holes at Work Through Play and then started sharing that on at conferences thinking no one would say yes. And all these conferences were like, oh, yeah, there's a huge toxicity problem. Like, we're losing $223 billion a year, I guess, in Fortune 500 companies. So, like, a lot of conferences started saying yes to us. And then we were like, oh, crap, we got to create something. (laughs) So then we started doing all this research on, like, toxicity at work. Um, And then from there, it was just, like, taking positive psychology and play and being like, how do I help have more hard conversations with companies? How do you create um, a workplace where people aren't being racist by accident at work, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm, I'm Vincentian and Filipino. Um, my dad's from the Caribbean of 
St. Vincent off the coast of Barbados. My mom's from the Philippines. I've always considered myself an outsider. So when I would go to these spaces, I would realize like, how do I create a safe space for all those people that feel like outsiders so that we can have an actual conversation that really addresses these toxic issues? Man, what a journey. <laughs> um, I, I, I really resonate with, you know, being in these like toxic environments that really limit our like ourselves and, and to be mm-hmm. ourselves to to go and explore and to play right so um yeah I'm, i i have been excited to bring you on because i think there there is this for for myself um growing up as the you know first generation born in america chinese american mm-hmm. uh the oldest son the you know the model minority model minority a, model yeah minority. exactly there was i absorbed so much of that and i yep. ended up like playing that role very well yep. um got the good grades and and went to you know got the stable technology job that i actually did love but um again, as I was mentioning before we hit record was that there was in that, uh, in that environment, there was so much of a pressure to be a certain way, to look a certain way. Um, especially as a consultant, like you gotta be the, the expert that knows everything and that is responsible or organized. Um, and so I let go of, a lot of myself and my expressiveness and my um uh and and just like joy and silliness right. that I think I I had internally but for so long I've been suppressing because yeah you this, almost like, had to like push that push down who you are right mm-hmm. yeah and this this came back it started even way back in high school too like where I mm-hmm. was like trying to be so cool and like you know uh you know like gel my hair like i don't know a certain way and 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 i don't know just put on a certain image of of how what would make me likable by everyone but i i didn't really allow myself to explore what i wanted so um i'm curious then like for for those who might resonate with that or, or if you do work with people who are like, you know, who might've had a history of being this certain type of image or, or responsible adult now, as we're like, you know, especially I, I know you work with like individuals and as well as in the workplace. So, um, but how do you help break that barrier that, that, we've so very much gotten familiar with now Oof. for ourselves, you know, Ooh. and it might be hard to let go of To Yeah. You know. How do you let go of that facade, you know, yeah. that you don't think is true. So wait, I mean, I don't know. Should I tell the most embarrassing story of my teenage years? I don't know if I should go there or not. <laughs> Well, you have to now. <laughs> but 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 I mean, I'm gonna, let me, so so I'm going to share a very short version of it because I did I did this whole story for us a true lives story uh, story show once, and it was really hard for me to share this story. And I just recently shared it for the first time, like three months ago, because it took a while, right? But anyway, okay. So let me just set. Let me just let me just paint the picture for you. Seventh grade, right? All I wanted to do was play Foursquare. That's all I wanted to do. That's all. I just wanted to play, right? So I remember going up to Jimmy and Matt and being like, yo, first day of school, so amped to play Foursquare, singing the Foursquare song as I was heading to recess. I see Jimmy and Matt. I go up to him like, yo, dude, you want to play some Foursquare? And they're like, no. (laughs) But do you know that Matt's, you know, dating, you know, Sarah and like Ryan's dating Samantha? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Do they want to play Foursquare? Because I'm like, I'm just trying to get an understanding of how many people are going to be playing. And what they had done was instead they had let go of play because they wanted to be cool. Mm. Right? To impress the girl. remember that moment when you were (laughs) chosen that you were like, oh, now we all have to be cool now. Now you have to let go of 
all of the fun, right? All, like I got this basketball hoop behind me, right? Like all of the fun. You got to let go of all that and be cool. And just like you, right? I, I first refused to do it. And then I remember being like, fine, I'll be cool. So I bought some fancy clothes, some Cavarici, some Jabos. And then I remember talking to one of my friends. He's like, if you really want to get girls, you really want to be cool, you have to have bangs. Yeah. <laughs> and I am a black Filipino dude with a fro. So I remember getting Vidal Sassoon mousse from my sister. And I remember putting it in my hair and shoving it down wow. so my bangs yeah. look like they so they looked white, frankly. But no one told me that they would that they dry up by fifth period. So my fro became like a raccoon's butt. <laughs> coming out of my forehead um and i was like what am i doing but i was like i just want to be cool right mm -hmm. so i remember this was it it was like the party of the century right the party of seventh grade pool party everyone's gonna be there and it was invite only and i remember speaking to antonio and joey and begging them for me to for them to bring me and they were like, nah, we don't know if we will. And I had to like get their lunch and pass their notes for like a week in order for them to bring me. Finally, it's the night of the party. I'm feeling amped. I'm feeling excited. I'm like, I'm going to go to this pool party. I'm like, oh, this is it, baby. And I remember we got out of the car. I walked all cool with my cool outfit. My bangs were on point. You know, I had my swim shorts underneath because I was going to go swim. <laughs> and we were walking right up to it. Antonio and, and Joey are Latino, right? And this party is predominantly white. Um, and at the front entrance, Ryan and a bunch of other people were there. And there was some shoving. Someone was shoving. There was like almost like a fight about to break out. Because there's this guy, Ron, and this other guy named like Brian, who I know, you know, that I'm friends with, who are black. And at one point, Ryan says to him, he goes, we're not letting any niggers in this party. Whoa, whoa. And when he said that, I was like, am I a nigger? Like, am, <laughs> yep. like, I'm black. And like, I just froze, dude. Like froze, like water came up to my knees and froze and I couldn't move. And then Antonio and Joey are like, what's up, dude? Like. Come on, you'll be fine. And I'm like, I'm not going to be fine. You know, you'll be fine, but I'm going to be left outside here. Like, I don't even know how to get home. I don't know what to do with my life. You know, like, like they're not going to let me in. And I remember they, we got up to the front. They looked at Antonio. They looked at Joey. And then they looked at me. And they were like, what's this? Who's this? You know? And they're like, oh, no, he's cool, dude. He's Latino. And I was like, whoa. Don't say anything. <laughs> just don't say anything. Just deny who you are. You're good. Oh, man, yeah. And then they gave me this nonchalant, and then they just let me in. And I was like, yes, I got in. And I remember feeling such a relief as I walked through that threshold, that doorway. And then as soon as I walked in, I felt like I left mm. my whole self behind. Mm. Like I gave it all up, all of it to be mm. accepted. You know, you know yeah. that feeling like all of it. Yeah. And I remember walking in, seeing all these people having a good time. No one was playing. No one was having fun. Or they were, they were their way of having fun was being cool. Yeah. And I remember like going into that pool by myself and feeling like the loneliest I've ever felt in my life at that time. And I made a pact to myself that day that I was like, I'm never going to feel this lonely again. You know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna let go of like who I am. Hmm. Um, and, and I, and I know I just love to play. So I remember stopping, I chose not to be cool. I stopped hanging out with everybody. I would go in my basement, play, you know, with, you know, my video games and make up games for myself in my basement. And then my friends started to hear that I was doing all this nerdy stuff in my basement and they realized that was a safe space for them where they didn't have to be cool. And I realized that's what I created over the next, like all throughout high school. Didn't go to any parties, didn't do any of that. And what's ironic is that's the work I do now. Hmm. So like the question, the only reason I share that whole story is it's like, there was a moment you gave it up to please all these people. 
And it's worth asking yourself, who are you fucking trying to please? Like, who are you trying to, who are you trying to impress? Right. Because like, they don't care. They don't, they're not even thinking about you, man. You know, like everyone in high school that you're stressed out about, you know, everyone in college you're stressed out about. And now all your coworkers that you're trying to impress with your Tesla or whatever it is you want to buy to impress them. No one gives a shit, you know, about who you want to be. So it's just like, why not fucking be your nerdy, weird ass self? You know, it's so much more fun, you know, and you don't have to have those shitty conversations about like, what are you doing for a living? How's the weather? Like those are shitty conversations because people are trying to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. frankly, if COVID's done anything for us, it's caused us to call out on all of our bullshit and lift that veil and be like, everyone's fucking imperfect. Even the celebrities don't know what the fuck they're doing. No one knows what they're doing. So why are you trying to impress these people that have no idea what they're doing? Yeah. Mm, that's potent. That's potent. I think, I think like, you know, what I really took out of that too is, is something I heard um, on another podcast that I host is that, you know, to 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 be fulfilled and and to be ourselves to come into ourselves is to not exchange our own truth for membership mm, right i love that yeah and and so what i heard is like yeah not wanting to you know give up a a certain part of yourself in order to subscribe to whoever you think that you want to like be around um cuz for you after doing so even as you now on paper am surrounded by the people by people whatever you still felt lonely you still felt like and and wait can you say that again because i gotta write that down yeah exchange (laughs) your truth for membership for membership yeah oh that is so good i know uh and uh and so i think i think so so i guess like Maybe the question is for people who um, might be those who who don't really know what their truth is, mm-hmm. right? Because um, it sounds like there is a part of the story, um, both your story and my story, in terms of like having to try it out and and find out that right. maybe maybe this isn't what what we're you know meant to be or or is natural for us like how do you you know reconcile like just you know like like doing things like as as you want to in the moment like you know you really wanted to get in that party at that that moment right like how do you reconcile like this is what you want but maybe isn't you know who well i i always like i always like to ask the question like you know who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it for others? Yeah. Right. You know, and you can feel in your bones that, but then I also ask people when they're like, well, I haven't played in a while. Well, I first challenge people to be like, is that true? When was, right. you know, the way in which I even define play is any joyful act where you are fully present in the moment and you forget about time. Yeah. So you're not having like anxiety about the future. You're not regretting the past. You're fully present in the moment, falling in love with the process. So whatever that is for you, that's play, right? So I challenge a lot of people, you know, I kind of agree with Elizabeth Gilbert, like forget trying to follow your passion because you might not know what your passion is, but you can follow your curiosity. Mm -hmm. You can get really bored, which is ironic as a play person, but you get really bored where you don't have your social media on, where you don't, you know, where you're not binge watching Netflix, where you're not distracting yourself or numbing yourself, right? So that you don't have to think about it and get really bored and then listen to that like inner child curious voice that's like, make that podcast, you know, (laughs) write that blog, you know, talk to that person you've been always wanting to talk to. Like, just just following that little inkling of what, what might happen, right? And then if you still don't know what that is, I do two other things that I think are really worth it to do. One of them is um, first figuring out what did you love to do as a kid? What did you love to do? 
right? And my friend Lauren and I do this workshop called Your Future's Where Your Fun Is. And it's all about being like, the thing that you love to do as your kid represents certain play values. So I love to combine all my board games as a kid and then have my sisters play them. They hated it, but I loved it. But the reason why I loved it was because it created connection, not in their case, but you know, for me at least, you know, created connection. It was, it created experiences because I love to create experiences. Um, and it was creative. So those values I have to have in anything that I do that brings me a lot of joy. Right. So mm -hmm. why not like explore that and see what comes up for you? Because you, whatever you played as a kid will attach to some of the things that bring you happiness now. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I ask people to do is when they are like, I don't know who I am or what to do. You know, I don't know who I am. Well then ask your friends, reach out to your friends and ask them these two questions. What value do I bring to your life? Like, why are we friends? Because a lot of times you don't know, you don't realize it, but your friends do. So just feeling all that love that will come back to you to be like, this is what you do for me is so amazing. And then the second question I asked them is like, when was the last time you saw me really joyful, like really present, yeah. like really alive and playing? And they'll remind you of that and then explore that as well. Like between all of that, you'll be able to figure out where your play is. Love that. I love that. And I remember doing that for myself uh, a few years ago, which actually sparked this whole journey for, for me, uh, leaving the corporate world and, and whatnot was, was asking my friends, like, it was some, somewhat of an awkward thing. I just, I guess I never really done that before. Um, and then to be like very, you know, direct in terms of like asking for that feedback was an interesting experience for me, but, but it was like really insightful in, in like, seeing another perspective um rather than being all cut up in my head and like what what right uh, and wait and let's yeah. do an experiment so what did you love to do as a kid like one of your favorite play things to do um i man let's see i uh i i i love to of course play play with legos i love to build things um i also love to to write um, I wrote stories, I wrote poetry, um, and I love to sing. <laughs> and uh, so, so yeah, pick one of few. them that just okay. like you really resonated with. Which one is that? Uh, I, I'll say writing. I'll say writing. okay. You like so why? What what was it that you loved about writing these stories? What 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 was so awesome about? Yeah, it was to be able to imagine different worlds and. Um, you know, explore different personalities, different, mm -hmm. you know, ways of being or communicating. Um, it was just telling a story. Yeah. And, and anything else? Um, it, it helped. It kind of, it kind of took a break from myself a little bit right. from, from my, from my own reality. Uh, yeah. So it explored your imagination. You could create these really amazing worlds. And then did you also feel like you could like also connect as well with like something bigger than yourself or? I, I'd say so. Yeah. I, I'd say when I was as a kid, probably didn't think so much about that, but I'd say in hindsight, yeah, it was like definitely. And then what yeah. do you think you do now that has that same stuff where you're creating stories, using your imagination, your creativity. Yeah. And it's something bigger than you. Well, it's a really great question. Um, I know I'm really still in the early process, but I'd say this podcast is is a part of it uh, <laughs> for sure, and and uh, and 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 hopefully, well, I'll get to a place where I could really help explore the stories of of each individual as us as individuals. Um, I mean, I, I, we've only started doing this interview, but you already are a dope interviewer because you got a calm, chill energy, man. And I shared my embarrassing stories. So you were creating a safe space. So, yes. Thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yes, to be able to pull out those stories from people is, is a big part of it. Um, yeah. So so I guess with, with all that said, you know, um, what I, I am curious now, and 
in in the theme of like for for those who feel like they can't you know find their truth or don't have that safe space to explore that truth mm-hmm. you know um was that ever an obstacle or an issue within your family within your culture um oh yeah up, well, like, most definitely man and, and, and come how on, did I'm you from a caribbean filipino family they wanted yeah. me to be a doctor you know yeah. they wanted to be a nurse a lawyer you know all that stuff yeah. right so you know I, I know someone that's a urologist that hates his job, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, you know, so you do have all those societal pressures that you have to, you know, uh, potentially succumb yeah. to, you know, and, and, and us being, you know, first generation, sometimes it feels like a slap in the face for us to be like, let's pursue our creative, yeah. you know, exploratory, but this is also part of the reason why they put us in this position in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. They might not have realized that, you know, and that's why my dad would always pitch to me, like, be a doctor, be a doctor, be a doctor. But I I remember this one time when I was, like, really kicking butt at a job where I was playing for a living, and I had always wanted the approval of my dad. But there was one time when I felt like I was doing really well. I was getting paid really well. And I remember meeting with him to just share this new thing that we were doing, and I realized I got his approval when I wasn't looking for it anymore. Mm. There was this moment that happened because I was like, I know who I am. I know what I want. Yeah. And that's ultimately still what they want. They just want to ensure that they don't have to worry about you. Yeah. So of course they're going to tell you the most technical job to make the most amount of money possible yeah. because logically that worked out for them. But if you can show them that you're kicking ass, right, or your podcast is making money or whatever it is that you're doing, your TikToks are crushing it, you know, because frankly, you can even tell them too, many of the jobs that you want us to have, a lot of them, those are going to be obsolete and it's going to be brand new jobs coming up anyway, right? So you can't even train people for what's coming up in the next 10 to 20 years. You know, Snapchat just and TikTok just appeared a few years ago, for goodness sakes, Google was, is only 20 years old, you know? So we just like, we forget about how much has changed in such a short period of time. Yeah. And just being like, showing them that you have a clear idea of what's possible. And they just like, yo, just give me a chance. I'll prove to you that I know what I'm doing. Even yeah. if you don't know what you're doing at first. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, like, what was that like in the beginning of that process? Because I know, like, you know. It's painful. Yeah, and how did, you, how, did you, you know, how did you navigate like, When are you going to get a real job? Yeah. How much money did you make? Like, all of it. You have to deal with all of that shit. But if you really believe in the work, right? If you really believe in, like, opening up a restaurant, you know, or or becoming, like, a YouTuber and – you know, it was interesting. I recently saw this interview with Mr. Beast, this guy that like makes multi-million yeah. dollars off of YouTube, right? And he was interviewing with another YouTuber, uh, Casey Neistat. And he goes, a lot of people don't realize that like from 14 to 21, I just did YouTube videos and nobody gave me any attention. Like nothing. Like I got nothing. You know, but I just kept doing it. Everyone was like, let's hang out. Let's do this. Let's do that. He's like, no, I'm just going to do this because I I love it. I love it so much. So if you're willing, if you find something that really you believe in and you're willing to put in the work and trust the process, something amazing might happen. It might not be, and this is why I'm like, embrace the play of uncertainty. It might not be exactly what you want, but it's going to evolve into something really awesome because just like any vine, you know, where you like go from one to the next to the next, you know, if you look back at your life and your career, you could never connect the dots on the way forward. You can only connect them on the way backwards. And, and it's weird how we always are trying to look for the linear yeah. way to get there. And that's just not how right. life works, dude. So why are we planning out everything? Yeah. You know, how's, I ask people this all the time. How's your 2020 working out? How's those plans? You know, everything that you, like, this was going to be your year. How many of you thought this was going to be your year? Right. And what's interesting is the people that I see that are more so thriving, even during this rough 2020, 
are people that have been able to mourn what their expectations of 2020 were, and they were able to let them go. Yeah. They were able to feel them and let them go. But anyone else that is still holding on to expectations, because expectations are like the thief of joy, they can't move on so they can create the next dope thing. And and I love that because I think that, you know, again, coming from a culture that does have a lot of expectations and um, are very, you know, results and accomplishment driven. Um, and and not just Asian culture, I feel like many cultures, I think yes. it's natural for but humans. But Asian culture really loves to drive it in you. Yeah, definitely Asian culture. But um, yeah, so coming from that, uh, I've, I've absorbed that. I, and I still find myself getting caught up on it too. Like even with this podcast or, or with the content that I create, like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not hitting a specific result or whatnot. And I do find myself somewhat still getting, you know, too, too serious about it or Mm -hmm. too like responsible or, or then, and then that, create turns into shame when I'm not being as productive and like getting a certain way. So um, what would you say to me, I guess, in that sense where um, not, I'm not letting go of the, of, of having a result come out of my play here. I think I would first ask you to explore how much of your self-worth worth, your self-worth is attached to your productivity? Yeah. Because we've been trained, especially in the Asian community, that if you're not creating, producing, making money, then you're just worthless. Like you're just not worth anything. So first challenging that, you know, and really being like, where is my self-worth coming from? What am I leaning on if I'm not leaning on my productivity? Because you need yeah. to find that because everyone else is going to be challenging your productivity. Everyone's going to be calling you out on that. And you have to fall back on that, right? Right. Um, Second, you have to figure out where, how do you get into flow? Because if you, like, I make a TikTok at the beginning of almost every morning. It has no productive value. It gives me no money. You know, there's (laughs) nothing, no one's, I'm not getting any business from like, you know, dressing up and acting like a fool in front of a camera at 8 a.m. in the morning. But it makes me so happy. You know, it brings me such fulfillment. And here's what it does from a flow standpoint is it positively primes my mind for the rest of the day. You know, right? So when you're in a flow state and by defining flow, you know, Dr. Chiksai Mihai, you know, from Positive Psychology, the doctor of flow, talks about how flow is when difficulty of a project or the, of the act meets your skill level. Mm. So like play is not just frivolous. It's actually when you're being fully challenged, you know, to like try all of your senses are being challenged. So when you're in that flow state, that's when so many more opportunities are available to you. But every time you choose to fixate on one result, you're almost being like a groomzilla or bridezilla where you're like, if, if it doesn't work out this way, then it's not worth it. And it's just like, oh no, you're missing out on all the fun, right? So exploring how do I get into flow? When have I most been in flow? And just figuring out how you can, what are the environment that put you there and try to keep falling into that. And then Mm -hmm. every time you get criticized, every time you have that mean voice that pops in, then be like, what can I do to lean back on my play values and what is it that I want to do that I, that I can fall in love with the process doing. Oh, yeah. I need to be writing right now because my mean voice is popping up. Now, the other thing that is worth exploring is your inner critic, which is like, I, I run a whole other workshop on that. And that is where I have people literally write down what their mean voice is saying to them. And sometimes I have people text their friends what their mean voice says to them. Yeah. And by simply shining a light on your inner critic, it goes away. So like, that's another trick you could do 
I also love to name my inner critic. I actually identify how it sounds, what it looks like. Mine is named Gargamel. And I'll literally <laughs> tell my friends, Gargamel's talking to me right now. They're telling me I'm full of BS. They're telling me I'm always going to be broke. They're telling me I'm going to, yeah. like, they're telling me all these mean things about me. And once I send it to them, that they don't even have to respond. My friends don't even respond. But once I get it out, Gargamel has light on it. And then he goes away because now you see how absurd that mean voice is and you realize it's not even that true so why are you letting it drive the car mm. mm-hmm. yeah and, and and that's powerful i think you know it's some so hard to practice too and uh i i guess i'd be curious whenever those for yourself you know do you ever find like you know being a positive psychology play coach it, it does seem like you should be also like just playing all the time. And, but I think oh, that's, un- that's yeah. unrealistic though, to like, well, have it's, to... it's, 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 um, it's, it's manic, right? Uh, you know, there's a difference between positive psychology and toxic positivity, yeah. right? right? Toxic positivity is like, I'm happy all the time yeah. and that's delusional. Right. And that's just not healthy. Yeah. You know, and what, what I learned from my, you know, training in positive psychology is that, If anything they taught us, they taught us that you take in all the emotions, Mm -hmm. all of them at the same time, right? You can be joyful and sad at the same time. You can be angry, frustrated, and, you know, and driven at the same time. I remember when my dad passed away in 2015, I'm surrounded by his brothers who haven't seen each other in 30 years. That brought me a lot of joy. Mm. And I'm sitting at his funeral feeling guilty because I'm like, oh, man, I'm feeling joyful at a funeral. And then I realized, oh, I can feel all of those feelings at the same time. And I should. That's what makes life worth living. That's what Pixar's Inside Out was talking about. It's life is more complex. So let all those feelings feel those feelings, but then just let them go Uh because they're just feelings. And, And a lot of times, what do they say? You know, thoughts usually last between nine seconds and 90 seconds. So when someone tells you they've had a bad day, it's not that they had a bad day. They had one bad incident maybe happen, and then they played that thought in their head for a thousand times, which made it a bad day. Mm -hmm. And also they primed their mind to start seeing patterns of other bad things. So Mm -hmm. other bad things started to happen. Mm -hmm. So you're like priming yourself to look for bad things. You can do the exact opposite by asking yourself the question when something really good happens, how can it get any better than this, right? Yeah. You know, like I had a really great conversation in the morning. Oh, how can it get any better than this? Oh, I had this really great meeting with my stress resiliency coach. How can it get any better than this? We're talking now. Oh, this is so amazing, right? And you can follow that thought, follow that curiosity and see where that takes you because it's going to take you to a dope place. Yeah, and and so good because I think, again, our minds really focus on the the negative so much and like oh all right of and like your mind is designed that way yeah that's why we have from so, negativity bias is real yeah right because it's safe, trying to protect yeah. you so don't beat yourself up right. for something that your mind is trained to do yeah so i guess i am curious though from from your point of view or from your experience now do, do you ever find yourself like not in the mood to play and, and how do you dude. yeah and how do you how do you it like sucks. I navigate sit in it. I sit yeah. in it you know yeah. I binge watch Netflix I do the other things I scroll through my social media which is horrible because I just feel worse after I scroll through my social <laughs> media and be like well let me feel better about myself you know my friend Marsha Shandora says it all the time she's like you scroll through it to look for connection but instead you just are like oh I'm worse oh that person's so happy oh that person's so happy which is ironic because nobody is that happy Happy, yeah. Right. Everyone, like we have to, we have to challenge ourselves to not compare our regular lives to the, you know, pretty, you know, facade of Instagram, which is always bragging about things that might not even be true. So like, yeah, I'll just sit in the sadness. I'll sit, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll reach out to my friends, you know, I'll, I'll do healthy things and unhealthy things just like anybody else. Right. But then there's a moment and they again, you talk about this in flow where you can only binge watch Netflix for so long. 
right? And then it's like eating Cheetos where you're like, oh, this is, oh, this is horrible. You know, there's a moment where it's just like, it's not healthy for you anymore. Yeah. Like the scrolling's not healthy. And just being like aware enough, if this is all about awareness, right? And just checking yourself and just being like, am I doing right now, whatever I'm doing right now, is it making me feel good? Because if it's not, let me stop doing it and let me walk over here and do something else, right? Um, you know, I remember being at a winery once and I was like, I don't know anything about wine. And this guy goes, if you like it, keep drinking it. And that's how I feel we should do life, right? <laughs> if you like it, keep doing it. Once you don't like it, stop doing it. That's what kids do. Yeah. When they're in the playground, they're like, we're playing this. And they're like, I don't want to play that anymore. Now I'm going to play this. You know, like you do that when you travel and you're on that travel oriented mindset where you're saying yes to everything, hopping on a moped with a random stranger that's taking you to a middle of a deserted island where you go to the best party of your life and you fall in love with somebody. Like, you know, you do it already. So just like, Follow that curiosity and see where it takes you. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, man, I, <laughs> there's, there's so many good things in here. And I, I think like, I, I feel like it's always one of those things that's like easier said than done, you know? And mm-hmm. um, especially for, again, coming from the, you know, growth of, of someone who, wasn't really allowed to play or didn't feel comfortable to play to to then now you know intentionally do that as an adult has been an interesting kind of thing one of the things i do to to play is uh freestyle rapping so yeah let's go yeah um and i am not a rapper and i don't intend to be ever but it is really um that perfect exercise in my mind to get us out of this like expectation of what we're supposed to to be or to say or to like have it come off a certain way um and and one of the uh you know i guess yeah he is a teacher of mine like i he's been the one helping facilitate this sort of thing called flow fam um where it, it's kind of like a combination of coaching and, you know, and freestyle rapping and, I love and it. public speaking, like all of it merged into one. And so he always says that flow is around the corner or it's just yeah. around the corner, you know? And, um, and that with what, what that means is really just, you know, embarking on that path and trusting that, you will find that flow and that joy and that play in, in that area. Right. So, so letting go of like, even, or I think, I think it really does come down to just having that bravery to like go and all right, let's just do this. um, And, and not think too much about the consequences. I, I really like what you said in terms of like the vines too, like we connect all the dots, previously but we we can't do so like ahead of us ahead of time right ahead of time so so we have to let go of you know what that is going to look like Um, and what's interesting is i know this like really phenomenal author who you know was talking to me about her creative process and i was just like you know when you start writing a book like aren't you worried that you know you might not know how it's going to finish or you might not know where it's going to go and she goes I've been doing it for so long. I just trust that it's going to work out. Yeah. So like all those reps have now helped her to believe like it's going to come together and it'll come together when it's ready to come together. Not when I'm ready for it to come together, but more when I've delved enough into it. And what came up for me when you're talking about the freestyle rap, is just like, that's how you should run your business, man. It's just like, just flow with it. Because you know, like the next dope lyric is about to show up and you would have never, like, I, they do this in improv a lot where like you never would think yeah. that saying this one word would bring you over here, yep. right? And, and it, it actually is perfect that it's so weird because that's what makes you so unique and strange. That's why your rap would be so interesting and dope is because no one else would do it the way you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, love it, man. There's, there's so much we could continue diving into. I, I do want to be mindful of our time here, but 
um love this this topic and i appreciate you coming on sharing your story absolutely uh, opening this is awesome. up about that that embarrassing moment and um you know uh i i one one last thing i like to end with in this podcast which ends up being not really quick fire ends up being longer but is is like going into your experience or your perspective on the five core emotions um, you mentioned the movie Inside Out, uh, yeah. with those five five emotions, and I'd just love to, you know, quickly get your sort of, you know, either either a story or experience that you felt with that emotion recently, or with a perspective of like the wait. Like, so remind me of those emotions again, just so yeah, and and we'll remind you as we go. But it is uh, fear, anger, mm-hmm. sadness, uh, disgust, or or shame and joy and the question is yeah and when was the last time you felt that emotion um you know or if you want to take it out and and extrapolate it to a experience well let's just actually just start with what's your personal experience or when's the last time you felt that emotion Um, and and i can pick any of the five well we're gonna go through all five so oh, okay let's go okay yeah. which one yeah we'll oh. start with anger oh anger um i felt anger this weekend when uh ruth bader ginsburg passed away mm-hmm. and i thought of what might happen and i was just like i was both freaking scared out of my mind, but also yeah. more angry because I already saw certain individuals already, you know, shifting so that they could take over that spot. And that just pissed me off so much. Mm. That's real. That's real. Uh, fear. Um, besides this weekend, um, I felt fearful the first time I shared that story that I shared with you, you know, um, Someone told me this is like, you have to, before you're able to share a story, you yourself have to come to grips with it. And I never had realized like how I had not really addressed it or come to grips with it. Mm -hmm. So just simply sharing that story in front of like random strangers in Canada virtually (laughs) was just so liberating, but also so freaking scary that I was like shaking leading up to it. I mean, and thank you for sharing that uh, here with me. Um, you know, I I really appreciate these the the unique moments like that. So, yeah. Um, how about sadness? Oh, hmm. I felt sad. Um, this is tough. It's it's a there's a few different times. I felt sadness on 9-11 and I made, I made a, uh, a video about it. Um, because like the video was all about how we've had 65 9-11s in 2020 (laughs) and just trying to like understand, because I know people that have passed away from COVID or I've known people that have known people that have passed away from COVID and just like, it's just so sad. It's just, it's just like, I don't think we've even analyzed the historical or not even historical, the trauma that is happening from the ripple effect of all this. And I feel like a lot of us need to be nicer to ourselves and others during this time, because, you know, there's a lot of pain and loss and we're not giving ourselves credit for that and trying to be productive during this really crazy time, you know? So it's just like, just having more compassion and empathy for myself. But yeah, I felt really sad on that day. Hmm. Um, Disgust or shame? Oh, disgust or shame. Um, When I'm telling that story, I feel it. I feel it again. Um, I, where's another time I felt it? I, I don't know. I, I've, there's still times in which I'll say something, maybe in an interview or something like that, or, or I'm trying to get a client and I'll say something and I'll be like, no, that's not who you are. Mm. And like, I struggle with that, you know, for the most part, 
I feel like I am who I am, but there's still times when I'm like, Ugh, you know, and I still also feel shame when, you know, I'm talking to my mom and she's like, what are you doing with your life? Like, what is this new thing? And, and when I'm not in a, uh, a confident place of knowing who I am, then I start questioning it. Right. Um, so there's those times where I just feel doubt and like shame that I'm like, you know, not fulfilling her wishes. Mm-hmm. And then I have to remind myself, like, I think she ultimately wants me to be happy. And that is what I'm, I'm doing. That's what I'm pursuing. Yeah. And, and thanks for sharing that as well. Um, I should, I, I should really ask these questions in the beginning. Cause I feel like I want to <laughs> like dive into mm-hmm. each of them more, but uh, last and not least joy. So joy is interesting because I also felt sadness during this, but so my birthday was on August 4th and I celebrated with my mom. We celebrated together and we did something really joyful, but also really like powerful on that day that we'd never done before because I found out that my elementary school music teacher was in hospice and people were going to her retirement home and singing to her outside of her window so you could go and sing to her because like we didn't know how long she was going to be around so we got like we made a poster board and you know we put our masks on and we went there and it was like in the middle of this random place and we were like is this what we're supposed to do and and then someone came over and lifted the window up and there she is and just laying there we didn't know if she was you know um awake or asleep um and we just started singing and we sang really badly, which is so bad. You know, my sister, my mom, my two nephews and me, but we sang to her. Hmm. Um, and it was, it almost like came full circle because she was the one that, that first put me on stage. She was the one that I first like, you know, got over my fear of singing in front of people. She was the one that like affected tens of thousands of people's lives, never famous, but still so impactful in people's lives. And now I'm back there like singing to her, almost thanking her for what she did when I was in first grade, right? Um, And that was just so powerful that we could like, I could thank her while she was alive. And then three days later, she passed away. And what was so powerful about that was like, I could have just chosen to been like, no, I don't want to do that. And then found out she passed away. And that would have been it. Like you hear that all the time. Like, oh, that person passed away. Oh, that's so sad. And then you move on, right? But instead, like she, again, changed my life by simply being there um, and, and giving us the opportunity to say thank you through like song, which I've never done in my life and I'll never forget ever again. Mm-hmm. So there's this joyful sadness impact that she, that happened there that, you know, like just rocked my 2020 in ways that I will never forget. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I, I really do appreciate that. It's that when you're sharing through these, all these emotions that you've interweaved multiple emotions into it. And I think that's powerful to embrace for the listeners out there is that, you know, a lot of the times we'll feel an emotion but it is a mix of many others and Mm -hmm. and you could, you can make that decision or choice in, in, in what emotion you'd like to, to feel more of or feel more connected to. Um, um, And, and just follow that. So thank you for sharing those perspectives. Absolutely. Uh, and for and for playing with me here, like uh, I I definitely love uh, love this medium, this format. Like I I only, I found podcasting only recently in the last like year and a half, and love that I get to just have these types of conversations with people. Right. So, um, yeah, thank you. I mean, lastly, how could people find you then if they want to work with you either individually or bring you into their workplace? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, you can find me at rediscoveryourplay.com. 
Um, and then I make all my ridiculous, weird videos at the handle uh, Jeff Harry Plays. So J E F F H A R R Y P L A Y S. And I'm on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, all at that same handle. Yes. All right. And I'll link them all in the show notes as well. Um, Jeff, thank you again for coming on, for opening up and for dropping some nuggets here. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I can't wait to hear your freestyle rap. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jeff Harry. I really hope you got super good information out of this. Uh, if, if, not i don't know who what kind of human you are because i'm leaving it super jazzed and pumped up about life and everything so if you got value out of it consider subscribing liking and sharing this episode with others who could use this boost within their life as well that will be the best way to support this show i would love to get this information out in the hands of more people so um definitely consider sharing and as promised i will also share more about the emotion dojo that i've been working on for the last few months now this is my little quarantine pet project here so um you can think of it as a a gym for the mind the heart and the spirit it is a safe space for those who identify as men to actually practice communicating our emotions, to really dive deeper into the core of what we're feeling. And this is not therapy where you're behind closed doors and with a mental health professional to diagnose and to process the past. This is more so about learning to connect with our current experience with who we are in the present and what we're feeling in the present and how we can use those emotions to work for us rather than against us so that we're not just taking control by our emotions but that we can take control of it so in the membership i have a 10-week audio course that speaks to all the different uh aspects of emotional intelligence and really outlines the framework of it so that we can focus on very specific parts of our life and emotional well-being so it doesn't seem so overwhelming and intangible right like most people will think of emotional intelligence as something that's very out there like what does it really mean like there's so many different definitions and so In the course, I break it all down and so that we can focus on that very specific step and action that we could do um, and apply for our lives. And within that, there is also available a group coaching call every week, as long as you're a member, as well as one one one-on-one coaching call uh, with me every month to dive into the nuances of where you're at and to develop an action plan for yourself i'm super excited about this i think like I, I just get so honored and fulfilled and grateful to be in this position to be able to support others in this way this was honestly something i wish i had growing up being a lonely shy socially awkward asian kid who didn't have any uh any avenues to express myself to feel like I could really speak my truth without being judged or shamed or even biased in how I should feel right um so I am super excited about it and passionate about holding this space for those who identify as men and with and with an Asian background um you know, I, of course, all of this information really can apply for so many different types of people. But for me, um, you know, being an Asian American man myself, there's a lot of commonalities and or common struggles in in both culture and our gender identity. So 
If you're interested in this, I am looking for my founding members to run through the beta program for this. And that means you'll get a super discounted price of $50 a month for all of what I mentioned was included, the 10 week audio course, the four group coaching calls every week or every month, um, once a week, as well as one one-on-one -on -one coaching call to really take your life and your relationships to the next level. Um, that is a steal compared to all the other programs out there, as well as those who work with other coaches. Um, coaching is expensive. So um, I, I definitely value making this information and this service accessible to those who need it. So um, looking for my founding members who are really dedicated to go through this program and to work on themselves. Um, you can learn more again at victorung.com slash membership and I will see you there.